0: All right, good morning, sunrise. I hope you've been enjoying the the sunshine this weekend. Before today, uh, my name is Connor, and I'm filling in for Dan today. Uh, I just want to welcome you uh, in worship here this morning. Whether you are here in person or watching at home, um, if you're able, why don't you stand up and join us in worship? way Nothing to fear now For I am safe with you So when I fight I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God To you, and if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible. the ashes you see the beauty the power heart that is broken, great are you, Lord, it's your breath. God, you are so great, Lord. I pray that you would just bless our lives, Lord. Give us your breath. Give us your life, God. We love you so much, Lord. Amen.
1: Hey, good morning, sunrise. You just. You know what to do. <laughs> hey, my name is Byron, and uh, I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy you're here too. So, here's the announcements, real quick. High school hangout. Corey is arranging for a high school hangout tonight. Friends, games, pizza. Starts at five thirty to seven thirty, and Dennis has arranged to host it. So, it's at Dennis's house. If you need the address, you're going to talk to Corey right after the service. Get the address from Corey and uh, get your high school kids over there. Now, if the high school gang getting together for fun and games tonight makes you want to relive your high school days, (laughs) this Wednesday night, the church is going to have a game and pizza night right here. Okay, so you can RSVP on that. The, the website I noticed this week, get ready for this morning, has a pretty cool events page on the website. And everything that's coming up, you can RSVP to that stuff like Wednesday night. And they would appreciate an RSVP for Wednesday night so they have enough za for everybody. <laughs> okay, so help us out, you know, sign up for that. Next big thing is partnership class. Mary and I are partners here at Sunrise. If you're not, you might want to explore it. It's a cool concept. And that class for partnership meets next Sunday, right after the service. Lunch will be provided. But again, if you're thinking you'd like to come, just RSVP through the church website or just Dan. Oh, hi, Dan. Dan at sunrisemen.org and uh, he'll get you signed up for that. So. Uh, It's a great opportunity to explore Sunrise, find out, you know, what Sunrise is all about. Next Saturday, April 22, the church is sponsoring people to be a part of discipleship training, and it's going to be at Fourth Reformed um, downtown, and a bunch of the church leadership team will be there, and you are welcome to join. Um, And you could, you know, if you want to, you know, buddy up to to Dennis, you you could sign up for that next Saturday, so it's like a, a four or five hour event down at uh, Fourth Reformed. Finally, on a personal note, I have about ten more commuting days to my current job. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing, and uh, it is. You know, I just I don't mind working, but that doggone commute. So I noticed. Uh, on Julie's wall, at Julie's desk in the office, this phrase from Psalm 92. The righteous will still bear fruit in old age, they will stay fresh and green. (laughs) I think that says it about me, if if nothing else. So uh, anyway, so I bring it up because Mary and I have been blessed to have a house up north, and I'm sorry, but we're gonna be there. All summer long, okay? And uh, you might see us again, or you will see us again in maybe September, for certain October. But uh, we hope uh, you'll excuse us for the summer, give us an excused absence to, to run away for a while. All right. Byron Hurd. Yeah,
2: he'll, be, he'll be back in October. Get your, get your tickets now. Okay, before we dismiss the, the, the kids and uh, head into our greeting time and then into our sermon time, um, I wanted to let you know about some things that are coming up. So, so as many of you know, and some of you, probably many of you don't know, we're coming up here at Sunrise Ministry to the end of our fiscal year. Our, our fiscal year runs from June 1 to May 31 every year, and with that comes several sort of big things. Uh, the first is well, in the area of sort of building finance, budget kind of things. Um, It was really fun. I didn't say anything, uh, uh, Dick, but but it was really inconvenient that the director's meeting happened where we were presenting the budget the day after Easter. Um, But that's just when it fell. Um, And so, like, come to the end of the budgeting uh, meeting on Monday night, I was, like, super exhausted. Um, But it was... And I want to say this very clearly. The director's going to give an update about um, some blessings and opportunities and challenges that we face, but I just want all of you to know that this, in 25 years, has been the easiest and least anxiety-inducing budgeting process that I have ever gone through, and it has almost everything to do with your leaders, many of whom are here in this room. And so uh, you know who you are, and I thank you so much for that. Um, The second sort of necessary area that we have to focus on um, when it comes to leadership here at Sunrise are are the boards and board appointments. Um, And and I want to talk to you just for a minute about how we do sort of the elder selection around here, because it's not normal. Um, (laughs) Comes as a great surprise, right? Um, So here at Sunrise, we have two boards. We have the elders who serve the church and sort of oversee all of the spiritual matters of the church. Um, and then we have the directors who assist the elders and serve the congregation by overseeing what you might call all the sort of the 501c3 uh, businessy kind of things that we have to do as a church here in the USA. And these two uh, boards function together uh, in harmony. But when it comes to sort of the, the, the final um, spiritual authority, um, that's, that rests and resides with the elders. Um, Every year here at Sunrise, the elder team will sit down for one-on-ones with the pastor and we'll talk to discern collectively and individually whether each elder feels that God is calling them to continue in that role. Now, now, we don't elect elders to terms of service um, here at Sunrise, and I I find this terribly biblical, is that we attempt to identify the elders that are among the partners of, of Sunrise, And once we identify who the elders are, then we give them an opportunity to serve, right? And so we believe that there is no spiritual distinction or scriptural uh, differentiation between the calling, the qualifications, the character, or the necessary gifting of a vocational pastor like me or a lay elder. We're all called to the same standards according to the scriptures. Those people among us who are spiritually mature, identified by the body of believers who are able to teach, and I'm not talking about stand up here and preach, I'm talking about somebody that you would look at and say, well, they can lead a small group or they can give me good counsel or, hey, there's a person that I would like for my teenage kid to go out to coffee with because they know what it's like to follow Jesus. Are you with me? hospitable, right? You got to at least act like you like people. <laughs> Men and women of prayer and those who take seriously the admonition of the scriptures to guard and shepherd God's people according to their gifts. But because of all this, we don't vote for elders because here at Sunrise el- the elder team isn't a board. It's A team of those that are identified, and called, and gifted to serve. So, so here's how this is going to work over the next couple of weeks: is that um, this is a community aspect, a a community uh, sort of endeavor, and so the elders are nominated. The potential elders are nominated from among the body, so from among us. So, what we would ask you to do today is to prayerfully consider the invitation that we're all entering into to identify the people among us that are already qualified as elders. After prayerful consideration, there are two ways to nominate people. Like if you're thinking, even as I'm thinking, you're like, you know what? So-and-so. So-and-so is an elder. Man, they meet these qualifications. They, 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 they serve in this way. They're, they're able to do the, the work. Well, there's two ways to nominate. You can either send an email to elders at sunrisemen.org. Or there's little cards back at the, Randy Viz, ladies and gentlemen, made us new offering boxes. Take a look at those things. It's like art. How beautiful is that? So not only do do we want you to give your big fat monetary gifts in those boxes, um, you can. uh, There are little cards back there and you can... Write a nomination, write your name so we know who is, who is submitting that, and you can just slide it in that box, or you can send um, an email to the elders at sunrisemen.org. Once you've prayerfully considered and made a nomination, then the elders will go through a vetting process. Myself and a team of former elders and current elders will then have interviews and conversations and discern prayerfully with the people that have been nominated, do they feel that God is calling them to serve in this way? Once that vetting and identification process has, has run its course, having been brought then to the current elders, having been prayed over, uh, then there will be a selection process that is not a vote. Essentially, every person that is brought before you, and just because someone is nominated doesn't mean that they will necessarily be brought forward, right? It's, it's this community discerning aspect, right? Sometimes it may come before the elders, and the elders may say, you know what, not yet. Or sometimes it may come to the person, and the person would say, you know what, I have other things that I, I need to be doing, or I don't feel called to this. But, but let's just say that we have three, uh, a need of three elders, um, Our intention will be to vet more than that, to identify more elders than that. And and, and so maybe we have three spots to serve in. We would hope to have five or six elders that we have vetted, and then this is how we select. And folks, at at, at one time, this makes me excited and petrifies me. I've never done this, but this is, those of you that come from a reformed background, this is kind of how um, it's been done for, for years and ages is that we will trust the Lord to select who the elders are to serve. We'll bring those folks forward. There will be, as I'm told, uh, Bibles, as many Bibles as there are elders up here. And in some of those Bibles, it will say, not at this time. And in others, it will say, thank you for your service. No one will know which Bible has which, which slip in it. This is the process that we're entering into. So what's the main thing to do? The main thing to do is to pray. To pray and to seek the Lord and to ask him for his wisdom. When he lays someone on your heart, you make that nomination. If you are nominated, to pray and to consider, Lord, is this something that you have gifted me and called me to do? as we take candidates through the vetting process, pray. Pray that God would give wisdom to the nominated and those who are seeking in community to discern their gifts and their calling. As those who are willing to allow their name to stand, stand before this congregation in about two months, pray that God would lead them to the place that he would have them to be that he would have his will, and that he would have his way. Next week, some of the directors will be here giving you a quick update about some other things financially that are going on, and we are excited and thankful for their service. But today, we invite you into this process, this holy and spiritual process of identifying and allowing God to select um, potentially three new elders at Sunrise Ministries. Fair enough? All right, here's what I'd like for you to do. Um, Kids, thanks for being in here. Uh, Sophia, thank you for shouting out at the end of that song. That's what I wanted to do. Um, Yeah, Sophia's like eight months old. Um, And uh, all right, stand up, greet those that are around you. Uh, Kids can be dismissed to Kids Church at this time. All right, ladies and gentlemen. If you could make your way back to your seats. So today we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter five, specifically uh, a few verses thirteen through sixteen. Uh, and this is a passage of scripture that is a part of a large section in Matthew called the Sermon on the Mount. Over the next 11 weeks, we together are going to be um, making our journey or making a journey through a large section of the Sermon on the Mount, primarily in chapters 5 and chapter 7 in a series that we're titling Jesus Said. Now, this is super, super clever um, and really, really just, you know, just this is the most creative thing that I've ever done. Uh, Essentially, this sermon is going to be Jesus Said Something and we're going to talk about it. I know, (laughs) completely, completely novel. Um, It's just the best I had um, at the time. So it's going to take um, about 11 weeks, but over these next 11 weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to delve in to mostly passages, there's going to be two that, that sit outside of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, those are extra special, and I'm super excited about those. Uh, the first uh, that will deviate from this sort of Sermon on the Mount context is going to come up in a, in a couple of weeks. It's going to be out of John's Gospel. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully there will be a special guest here to help me preach that. I'm going to just sort of, ooh, at that point, let that just kind of rest over you to wonder who in the world this could be. Um, Yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's not Lou Gehrig. And the second one is going to be delivered on Mother's Day by our very own Lindsay Williamson and her best friend, Carissa Wygant. Um, And they're going to be looking at a passage out of Luke. But for the most part, we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and and, and we're going to be looking at just things that Jesus said, Uh, things about murder and anger, things about adultery and lust, things about judgment and holiness, about the love of enemy and and how that works out in the life of those who attempt to to follow Jesus. We're going to be looking at Jesus' questions that He asked of folks um, when he looked at his mother and said, why do you involve me? Or when he looked at, at, at a woman who was, was really agitated at her sister because she wasn't helping out, and he said, well, what is really needed? We're going to look at exhortations that he gave to those who followed him, like don't judge others or watch out for false prophets. Keep on praying. The gate is narrow, and I never knew you. Today we begin that journey by looking at the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples in that hillside sermon where he said, be salt and be light. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 13, Jesus tells his followers, he tells his listeners that you are the salt of the earth, you are. Are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In this passage, there are two parallel analogies that we're going to linger with today, and the first of which is very simple, very straightforward. You are the salt of the earth what in the world does that mean? What does salt do? Well, it's interesting, as I, as I was researching all the uses for salt this week, right, the, the normal things came up, right? Salt is, is, is a flavor enhancer, salt is a preservative, but, but salt also, in times past, could be used as a, as a currency, Right? This, this idea that someone being worth their salt actually traces its way back to the Roman Empire. Uh, salt melts snow. It softens water. It can be used as a cleaning agent. Did you know? And some of you probably did. A grease fire? Water? No. Salt can be used to extinguish a grease fire. It cleans. It, if you drop an egg on the floor... Pour $10 worth of salt on that stuff, clean it right up. (laughs) Of course, nowadays, right, the egg may be $12. Yeah, Yeah, $22 down the drain. (laughs) Salt heals. It, It can draw out an infection by drawing out the moisture in a wound allowing the body to activate its own healing process. Okay, this next illustration is going to fall in the category of too much information, but I'm going to say it anyway. Are you with me? About 20-some years ago, I had the privilege to go to Israel, and we went to the south of Israel, and we went to the to the caves at Qumran, and we saw where the Dead Sea Scrolls were uh, were found, and, and one of the things that we were able to do that day is that we were able to go swim in the Dead Sea. Now, because I was with a church group, I had to wear clothing basically like this in the desert. You know what I'm talking about. And because of this, I had developed a little bit of a, of a heat rash in some of the foldy places of my body, and then when we went to get into, when we went to get into the Dead Sea, folks, I kid you not, I was on fire in the Dead Sea. But the amazing thing was is that the next day, I got up and I'm like, I am a new man. I'm like, somebody should bottle this stuff and sell it. If you're a person that's like me and you may suffer from canker sores, little ulcers in your mouth, you know that the the, 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 the death of canker sores is when you eat something salty and it gets in that. And, and, And so this is something that's really interesting to me is that while salt also can be a healing agent, that process of healing hurts like the devil, doesn't it? So as I was thinking about what what can salt do, as I I consulted the Google machine, I I thought maybe a a better question is what can't salt do? What's it good for? It's good for all kinds of things, but this is the other interesting thing. Different types of salt are good for different types of things, right? The same kind of salt that you put on your driveway, you wouldn't want to season your steak with. The salt that goes in your water softener, the, the absent salt that you soak a wound in, those kinds of things, they're, they're, they're different types. They, they have different purposes. They serve in different ways. And the only way to harness the salt's power is to figure out what kind of salt it is. Context, you see, context and environment, it, it matters. And what happens when a salt loses its saltiness? Well, the illustration is clear that we're, we're poorer, we're blander, we're dirtier, we're sicker. The world is a more dangerous place. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Well what does light do? Well it dispels and it dispatches darkness. Darkness doesn't choke out light. You cannot extinguish even the smallest light by making the environment around it darker. No, even the smallest light will pierce the darkness. It's good for seeing. And it's good for all the things that are associated with seeing, the, the doing of work, the going of place to place, the, the, the avoiding of obstacles in the night. A couple weeks ago, Amy and I were on vacation, and one of the most dangerous things about vacation for me is the nighttime trip from the bed to the bathroom because you're out of your element, right? And you're in darkness, and you don't want to turn on the light because you're afraid you'll wake up somebody. But then you get all out of sorts because, I don't know, see, most couples, they have like designated sides of the bed. We're not like that. Basically, when we go somewhere, the side of the bed that's closest to the door is where I sleep because if somebody comes in to get us, (laughs) you think I'm joking. I'm not joking at all. Right? Fight them off, honey. Well, I'll try to slow them down. I'll do the best I can. But it's not just good for seeing. It's good for bringing life. Right? Plants don't grow without it. It, it brightens our, our mood. I remember... It was probably three or four weeks ago, um, Kathleen, you may not remember this, but we were leaving church, and, and for some reason, you and I were, were leaving at, at roughly the same time, and the sun was shining for like the first time in what seemed, seemed like, you know, I don't know, 17, 18 years, and we, we walked out, and we both went like this, uh, right? And you just, you stand there, right? Light matters. Light matters. It's good. It's good for seeing. It's good for bringing life. It's good for avoiding obstacles. It's even good for our mood and our health. <laughs> Darkness cannot choke it out. You are the light of the world. Well, this brings me to, to probably the, the most pressing question of, of, this, of this morning is, well, so What? Right? Be salty. Be lighty. I love the fact that I'm preaching to a congregation this morning and I'm telling you, be salty. Well, what does it mean to be salty? Well, not, not, like, not like I was yesterday. I'll get to this in a minute when the guy cut me off down at uh, the mall. But in a good way. Well, what does it mean to be light? What does it mean to be lighty? Well, it means that through us, through you, through me, people experience the glory of God. It's an invitation. It's to live your life, to live my life, to live our lives in such a way that we invite people to come and taste and see. To remember that you and I serve in this world as a preserving agent. That we're called to shine and create light, not necessarily heat. That we are agents of healing and safety in a world that is filled with violence and despair. That we melt and soften the frozen and the hard. I would not want to drive on the roads in Michigan in the winter if it weren't for salt. We shine so that others can find their way. And, and while our intention is never to blind or to burn, sometimes eyes that have been so long in the darkness squint and recoil from the light, don't they? But we shine nonetheless. Sometimes we're called, as salt and light, to get into an open wound for the purpose of healing, to draw out the mess. And when that happens, sometimes even in an interpersonal relationship, it hurts. But a person who is salt and light understands that there's a clear and powerful difference between something that hurts and something that harms. Our job, my friends, is never to harm, but sometimes healing can hurt. We shine so that others may see His face more clearly and experience His presence more powerfully. And we do all of this for a purpose. A purpose. An outcome that has almost nothing to do with us and everything to do with Him and those around us. We're salty and we're lighty unto the glory of God we're salty and we're lighty so that people are changed it's interesting when when we read the last little segment of this passage it, it talks about God being glorified but the glorifiers aren't the salt and the light people the glorifiers are those they have affected it's those who have been touched but the salt and the light that are changed. And what do they do? They glorify God. Now here's a test, right? Maybe some of you are thinking, okay, Dennis, I understand, but right? hurting and harming are two different things. Um, how do I know that when, what's going on? How do I know that when I'm, when I'm, when I'm being salty, how do I know when, that, when, that's, when that's hurting or when that's harming, when that's healing or when that's actually driving people away? Are people, and ask yourself this question, are people more apt to glorify God after my interaction than they are before? If they're not, we're probably harming. If what we're doing, if how we're interacting, is driving people from the Savior, no matter how well-intentioned, no matter how truthy we might think that is, if they're being if they're being led away from Jesus rather than toward Him, we might want to consider if we're making light or heat, if we're harming for, or if we're harming or hurting for the purpose of healing. <laughs> You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So I was <clears throat> looking at this passage this last week. One of the things that, that kind of jumped out to me is, that, right, so it's, it's those of us that have been around church for a while, we've, we've probably heard these verses hundreds of times. But one of the things that kind of jumped out to me was the... The second half of verse 13 where it says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, it. how can it be made salty again? And I was struck by the fact that probably there are many of you that are sitting out, out there that, that maybe you are or maybe you have been in, in, a, in places where I have been in my life where I've wondered, Lord, am I salty? Am I being light? And there are a couple of ways I think that this can, can, can play out in our daily lives. One of which is what happened to me yesterday. And that was just a, a slight or a minuscule uh, amount of road rage that I experienced. <laughs> it was a busy day and we were heading out to Grand Haven for, for a water polo tournament. And, and uh, I had to, to run down to Costco to pick up some muffins as one does. Um, for, a, for a, a gaggle of girls. And, and as I was driving back, as I always do, I go around the horn at Costco. I don't turn left out of Costco ever, right? I turn right, I go around the horn, I make my way... right. There's the little PNC bank, and then I turn right, and I drive, and I drive until I get the canal, and there's that really weird intersection, right? you know, right? And I turn right again, and I drive past, and I'm like, oh, there's, there's Granville High School, and oh, there's Lowe's, and there's that chicken place that went out of business that I probably should have eaten at more, and right? And I... <laughs> And I saw up, up in the distance that what had happened is that there's, you know, if you go that way, you're, you're heading north on Canal, there's, there's two right turn lanes, and there's one lane that goes straight, which is the lane that I want. And I, and I noticed that they had those two turn lanes blocked off. And so being the conscientious driver that I am, right, and the fact that I'm in Amy's car, and I don't want to do any damage to that thing, um, and so I pulled over in the left lane, and there I sat. And, and as we creeped up, I, there was probably a line, folks, of 20 cars behind me, and and this little blue jeep pulled up right in front of me. And you know, right? That's just a little bit annoying, isn't it? It's like you've known. You've known what's going on. Right? In the back of my mind. In the back of my mind, right? The Holy Spirit is like, be salt, be light. <laughs> yes, yes, Lord, yes. <laughs> right? And so I And so I thought, okay, okay, it's just like a zipper merge, just like a zipper merge, we'll just do this, it's really easy. So when the car in front of me started to pull ahead, and I I had noticed, right, mainly because Amy's car has the, it yells at me when there's somebody right here, right? It yells at me, it fights me when I try to change lanes without putting on a blinker, it's just annoying. Um, (laughs) Right, and so you let the little blue Jeep in, and and. And as I'm pulling forward, this little white Kia soul, and you guys, he had to be that close to me. And it became obvious that he was just going to horn his way in. And I had a choice to make in a split second. Do I wreck both of these cars, which I was super tempted to do? (laughs) Or do I let him in and do I lay? And see, the thing is, Amy's car is a Honda, right? And so when you lay on the horn, it goes like this. oh, friends, I was so mad. You know, he's horning in, and I'm looking at him, right? Looking in, and he, you know, he salutes me out the window and things like that, and I'm like, right? And again, the Holy Spirit continues, right? Be salt, be light, be salt, be light. It's one thing. It's one thing to have a Momentary lapse of of road rage. It's one thing to, and I believe, completely justified, lay on your horn at somebody who is cutting you off in, in the line. But, but, but folks, the reality is, is, I don't know that man's story. I don't know what was going on in his life. I don't know. Right? I, I assume motive. I, I attach motive. To this person, Sometimes in our world, we can have those momentary lapses where, we're, where, where we tend to, to, to be less salty than we ought to be. We tend to be less lighty than we ought to be. We, we tend to be agitated at the fact that that person wasn't as salty or as lighty as he ought to have been. But the reality is, is that I don't know whether that person knows, the, knows Christ or names the name of Jesus. So therefore, how can I expect him to toe a line or, 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 or to participate in an activity that I am called to participate in? in. See, that's, that's one thing. That's, that's one way of, of struggling with this. It, it's, it's quite another when you find yourself questioning the last 25 to 30 years of your life. You see, that was yesterday, but about a year ago, folks, I was probably in one of the darkest places I've ever been in my life. It was a place where I felt not only out of sorts, but I really began to wonder if I had made a huge mistake as a 19-year-old man heading into ministry. I began to seriously wonder if, if that the last 25 to 30 years of my life, had been wasted. See, I I was in a place where I felt as though I had lost my saltiness and not in a momentary lapse of of decorum on the highway, but in a deep and abiding identity kind of a way. Can I get a witness from anybody else that's ever been there? And i got to be honest with you folks, a year ago I was ready to exit the building. I was ready to turn off the lights. I was ready to take off the ministry hat to put it up on the shelf, and I was, I was ready to try something else to feed the family. I was tired. I was burned out. I wasn't in a healthy place. I was paralyzed by indecision and conflict. And more than anything else, I felt like a failure. And there was darkness. And I didn't feel like there was light to penetrate the darkness. I didn't feel effective. I felt like that, that I had come to the place to where all of the useful saltiness of my life had been used up and the only thing left was, as the text says, to be thrown out into the road to be used as pavement. It was during that season that Amy and I talked a lot, probably a lot more than she wanted to talk, Because it wasn't talk for the sake of fixing, it was talk for the sake of processing. It was a deep, it was a deep confusion. (laughs) We talked about everything from pharmaceutical sales to factory work. We talked about what it would take for me to become a history or an English teacher. We talked about the doubt and the confusion and the hurt. We talked about the exhaustion. And it was in the midst of that talk, friends, that God orchestrated several other conversations that were super important for me. Conversation with a counselor, a fellow that is is affectionately known in our house as Steve the therapist. (laughs) Conversations with trusted friends and ministry colleagues who even when I couldn't, continued to see my saltiness. A conversation at Wild Rose Coffee House with Carol and Joe that sparked embers of light that reminded me what I had so often taught is that often God teaches us more through our pain than he does through our comfort. That reminded me that resurrection only comes after death. And that even salt thrown out on an icy road in the winter (laughs) can have some use protect and to keep safe and to give life. And little by little folks as I found myself in this less than salty and less than lighty place the fog began to lift enough for several thoughts to creep back into my mind and, and the reason that I bring this up friends is that I think that so often we think about this right? we think about what happened yesterday but we don't often talk about These deep moments of doubt when it comes to being salt and being light. You see, the thoughts began to creep in. What if Steve was right and God was trying to teach me something that I had simply never been ready to learn before? And the light slowly began to shine in the midst of the darkness. And God began to use the situation to draw out of me things he needed to heal, and that he was not harming, even though the situation hurt. What if those who loved me most and knew me best were right, and I was wrong? about my fit for ministry and the calling that God had laid on my life, that what if the last 30 years had not been a waste? What if God was calling me to be more concerned with bringing Him glory and less concerned with the expectations of others? I wonder if any of you have been in a season like that. Maybe this morning you need me to hear, because you've lived in a world all of your life where people have looked at you and they've said, be salty, and that's what this means, but maybe God is calling you to be salty in the way that he has designed you to be salty, not in the way others expect you to be. What if you have lived in a world all of your life where people have said, shine your light and this is the people to whom you need to shine your light and this is the way that you need to do it, but God has placed you in the place that he wants you to be and he's calling you right in that space to shine your light. What if? What if those things were true? What if being salt and light isn't measured according to the metrics that we've been told or taught that they're measured by? What if they're measured by what the preacher said last week? It's not about your performance. It's about simply answering the question, Do you love me? Feed my sheep and follow me. What if, as the worship team comes to get our final song, being salt and being light is about... Bringing glory to God by loving people so that they find themselves encountering Him and being changed today. Today the invitation is clear and it is simple, be salt and be light. Connor.
0: Amen. Will you please stand with us again and sing one last song? now has ended in the kingdom of light in the kingdom of light forever under your dominion you're the king of my life you're the king of my life you reign you above it, all. All. You you reign above it all. all you reign above it, all. All. You you reign above it all. All. Over the universe and over every heart There is no higher name Jesus, you reign above it all On the cross the work was finished God, you poured out your life Just to give us new life from the lips of the forgiven, hear an anthem arise, because Jesus, you're alive. sent the darkness running out of an empty grave now seated alone in glory enthroned on the highest praise you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave now seated alone in glory enthroned on the highest praise you sent the darkness running out of an empty above it all, you reign above it all. Over the universe and over every heart, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. Let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah. There's no higher name. Jesus you reign above
2: it all. So my friends as we go from this place be salt and be light. Be salt In the way and in the place that God has called you to, you no longer have to meet the expectations that others put upon you, but follow the call of Jesus to love him, to feed his sheep, to follow him, shine his light into the place that he has placed you. As we go from this place, remember to give your tithes and your offerings as an act of worship in these wonderful, beautiful new works of art that Randy has created for us. Be in prayerful consideration as we as a community are identifying the elders that God has placed among us. So in the name and for the sake of Jesus, go. Go. In his peace. Amen.